You're listening to the Sunday morning message from Clouds Creek Baptist Church. Join us for worship Sunday morning at 11. Or for more information, visit cloudscreek.org. That song really just goes so perfectly with where we are in Exodus. Uh, if you're following with us in your, in your Bible, you can open up to Exodus chapter 2. We'll be where we are this week. We're continuing our series, Captive, looking at the first part of the book of Exodus. Um, and so where we were last week, we saw that God's people are in trouble. Um, the favor that they had earned with Joseph being second in command, there's a new king who doesn't know Joseph. And so he's fearful of the, of the Israelites and how many of them there are. And so he's like, we can't have this. So he puts them into slave labor. They're making bricks and mortar and working in the fields and, and they're being poorly treated. And so that's kind of where we left off last week. And this week we get to see the start of the plan. We get to see the behind the scenes of, as we just sung, the way maker, that he is making a way for the rescue of the people of Egypt, or people of Israel in Egypt. Right now, they are captive. We're going to pick up in Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. Just to pause, if, if you weren't here last week, um, the king of Egypt is having them throw all of their babies Baby boys into the Nile is the command. So uh, she hides him for three months. And when she could hide him no longer, she took, him, uh, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done with him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe in the river. And while her young women walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds, and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. Of course, right? This is an abandoned baby in a river in a basket by itself, right? So when she opened it, she saw he was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse from the Hebrew women to go and nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. When the child grew older, she brought, to him, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because, she said, I drew him out of the water. Ladies who have had babies, how nice would it be if someone paid you? to be the baby's mother, right? Like that's what it says is that it's like she takes him and she takes it back to Moses' mom and pays her to nurse the baby. And you're like, can I sign up for that? Can I sign up for getting paid to, to be the mom, right? That's a thankless job. Moms are great. I won't talk about that. That's Mother's Day. I'll save that for Mother's Day. But anyway, we look at this section of scripture and we would say, man, look at God's plan. Watch God move. He orchestrated these events to get Moses right to where he needed to be. But we don't always do that with our own lives. If you look at your life right now, this season that you're in, whether it's good or bad, do you think, man, God was very intentional to get me here? Or do you just kind of think, this is where I am? It's easy to see purpose in hindsight, 
But do you see the purpose right now? God put you here for a reason. God put you here for a reason. You are not where you are by accident. The place that Moses ended up, it wasn't just by luck. God orchestrated these events to get Moses in the best position to be used by God. And it wasn't just to get him to the end result. This wasn't just so so the end would happen. If you don't believe me, think about this child's mother. If you don't think there's purpose in the journey, ask Moses' mom who put him in a basket and thought, I will never see this son again. I hope he lives. And he's brought back to her for her to nurse him and take care of him. Moses' mom saw the purpose in the journey, right? She was like, this is awesome. She wasn't thinking, well, I'm just doing this for now because God's going to use Moses later, and so this is just part of the process. She saw the purpose in the journey. We shouldn't be waiting for God to do something else in order for us to be used, it's not, well, I'll wait until I'm done with school or I'll wait till the kids are out of the house or until I'm in a higher job position or I'll wait until I retire. Where you are right now is where God wants you to serve him. Your job, your family, your neighborhood, you are there for a purpose. Isn't that encouraging? We don't just happen to be where we are. You were put here on purpose. I was... Uh, when we found out we were going to have Zeke, I got another job. And uh, I got a job, which is everyone's dream job. I was working as a telemarketer. You got, I know, everyone's jealous, right? Like, not everyone gets to be a telemarketer. So don't envy me anymore, any more than you already do. Um, so I got this job as a telemarketer. And it would have been really easy for me to just go in do my job, go home. And a lot of times that is what I did. But I ended up getting to be friends with the people that were sitting around me uh, who came from very different walks of life than I did. Uh, One of them was a single mother who had her kid out of wedlock. The other one uh, was a a homosexual guy. Um, Just several different people that it's like, this is not my normal crowd I run with, right? Like very different people. And if I had just clocked in, clocked out, I might have missed what happened right before Easter. So I had invited them all to Easter. We had these little invite cards at the church where I was. And so I invited them to Easter. And we're sitting there one day. And I don't even remember how the conversation got there. I think I was on the phone with somebody. And then when I turned around, they're all looking at me. And they ask me, I don't remember exactly what the question was, but it was something like, Blake, why do Christians celebrate Easter? And I was like, what? Like, what an opportunity that just was out of nowhere. That I had the opportunity to share the gospel with these people at this job that for us was really just like, well, I'll go and I'll make some extra money because we're about to have a baby. God had purpose in the moment. If I had just done that and hadn't built this relationship with these people and they didn't know who I was, to be able to say, hey, what's the purpose of the cross? I was able to share with them that that sin, everybody sins, we all have to pay punishment. And then I was able to share that the cross and Jesus' resurrection gives us his righteousness. I was able to share deep version of the gospel with these people because of the purpose that God had for me there. 
I'm not saying this to say I'm the greatest person, but I, you just have to look at it as, okay, God has a purpose for me. What is it? Because I didn't start that conversation. They're the ones who brought it up. I was just there, and I was aware, and I was ready. You're where you are for a purpose. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You're God's workmanship. God made you, and he's proud of his workmanship. The job that he did to create you, to put you where you are, he is proud of that. You are God's masterpiece. You are the product of a very intentional, purposeful God who created you and put you where you are for this specific moment. You didn't do anything to be born, right? None of us did. None of us chose to be born and to live in America. None of us did what, anything to be born in the 19th century, 20th century, whatever it is, 20th, in the 1900s, most of us. I know you guys, you guys are like 2,000, right? I don't want to talk to you. Um, I'm just kidding. But you didn't do anything to be born in the year you were born. So who do we give that credit to? That was God. It wasn't an accident. You don't live here in northeast Georgia just on accident. God put you here now with a purpose. So when we look at the story of Moses, we shouldn't just say, man, God really had a purpose for Moses' life. He has a purpose for your life. Yours just isn't in the Bible. I don't know if anybody was put in a basket and found in a river. To be honest, it doesn't sound like that's like too far out of the realm here in Oglethorpe, right? Like, you're like, oh yeah, my cousin, he was put in a basket and found in a river. I don't know your story. I don't know how you got to where you are. But it was on purpose. You are where you are on purpose. I've heard it said, bloom where you're planted. Don't wait until you're in the yard or wait until you're like, you know what? I'm not going to bloom until I've got a bigger pot of soil. I'm not, I'm not doing anything until that. I'm going to wait until I've got a bigger pot of soil. I'm going to wait until, you know, they finally put me in, in the yard to bloom. Bloom where you're planted. You are where you are for a purpose. Don't miss what God has for you. Don't get caught looking at what could be or thinking that you need to get blank before you're able to live out your purpose. Just like with Moses, God puts things and is very intentional with this whole series of events to get Moses where he is to be used by God. Love people, the people you're with now. Talk about Jesus to who you're around now. Because you're ready. This is your time. Continuing in Exodus 2, starting in verse 11, it says, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and he hit him in the sand. And when he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? And he answered, who made you the prince and, and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. 
But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came and they drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father Ruel, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. Moses was content to dwell with the man. So he gave Moses his daughter Zephora, and she gave birth to a son. And they called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. When you read these verses, you can see why God called Moses. It wasn't because he was a murderer. Like, that's not great, right? Like, that's not something that you want people to know, clearly. It's not like God was like, hey, this murderer, he's equipped, right? Like, but what you see in Moses is a passion for the oppressed. What you see in Moses is he wanted to stand up for those in need. He sees someone beating a slave, which was allowed, right? And he stands up for him and he kills the man. Again, probably not the best move. And then when, when the women are, are water, getting water for the flocks... And somebody comes to drive him away. He's like, no, no, no. And he stands up for them. So God took Moses, and we can see why he used them. Because God uses your passions. God uses your passions. Our God of purpose designed you the way he did for a reason. He He wants to use you for what you were built for. God is not going to call you to something completely out of your wheelhouse. I am awful at administration. Real bad at it. Real, real bad. I work on it. I'm not as bad as I used to be at it, but I'm terrible at it. So God is not going to call me to be the administrator for some large corporation. He's just not. Because he didn't give me that ability. He didn't give me that passion. My mom was telling me a story the other day. Uh, My mom is a school teacher. And uh, she went to my parent-teacher conference when I was in fifth grade. And my mom, she says, you know, the way that you're supposed to do a parent-teacher conference is you start off saying what's good about the kid, and then you get to maybe the problems, right? And so my mom was furious at how my fifth grade teacher started her parent-teacher conference. Because my mom walks in the room, and my teacher, Miss Bridgewater, she says, he's a talker. And my mom says she was just so livid that she didn't hear anything else she said for the rest of the parent-teacher conference because she's like, that's not what I wanted to hear. I don't want you to start off with his problems, right? Like, I know none of you guys are surprised that I was a talker in fifth grade. Nobody's like, what? You were a talker? No way. Um, you know, and, and, but here's what's cool is that God used my ability to talk. Maybe I should have done my training outside of the classroom, right? But... He gave me that ability and a passion for the church, and that's where I am. What's interesting is what my mom saw as the negative that my teacher was starting off with is actually one of my greatest strengths, right? That's literally, that's my job now. I talk for a living. It's weird, right? But I'm I'm a talker. Yeah, she was right. 
And that's what God wanted. He made me a talker. Again, got to learn how to use it appropriately, just like Moses had to learn how to use his passions and gifts appropriately to not murder people. Um, But he gave me that passion and that ability, and so that's what he's using me for. What's your passion? What are your abilities? God wants to use them. The abilities and passions that you have were given to you by God anyway. So why wouldn't we use them for him? And obviously, like I said, not everything we do out of our passions and out of our abilities is good. And we see that happen with Moses. Even though he was passionate to defend people, he didn't use the gift in a way that honored God and he ended up killing someone. That's why it's important that we seek God's will for our passion and our talents. Because I'm sure what Moses thought he was doing was the right thing. But clearly it wasn't because it ends up alienating him from not only the Egyptians, but from his own people. Even his own people are like, we don't want this murderer. And so he feels completely alone and isolated. He didn't seek the Lord before he took action. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, it says, As each of us has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Build up the church. Build up each other. Bring glory to God with the gifts you've been given. I've heard it said that everything can be put into four categories. Everything in your life can be put into four categories. Your time, your temple or your body, your talents, and your treasure. Use all four of those to build up the kingdom of God. Your talents, your abilities, your passions. Those were given to you by God. I love hearing about Rosemary, that she's passionate about horses. Rosemary loves horses. I didn't tell you I was going to do this, but it's okay. Rosemary loves horses. I love to hear her talk about the spiritual conversation she has with the people she goes horseback riding with. She uses that passion for the glory of God. And I'm sure that's not hard, right? Like, it's not hard to say, hey, this is the thing I love and I want to bring God glory in it. The passions, the talents that you have can be used, should be used for the glory of God. So just as God has put you in position, in this position now for a purpose, he's given you specific talents and passions for a purpose. Exodus 2 then, it it ends, we wrap up Exodus 2 with a very encouraging and exciting passage. Starting in verse 23, it says, During those many days, the king of Egypt died. The people of Israel groaned because of their slavery, and they cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. We serve a God who hears. Amen? We serve a God who hears. Don't you hate when you're talking to someone and you're telling them something really important and their reaction is, huh? Don't look at your husband. I'm not trying to start a fight. We don't serve a, what'd you say? God, right? That's not the God we serve. We serve a God who hears, who is actively listening. 
There's a verse in Psalm 56 that says, he collects our tears in a bottle. I don't think that literally means that God has like a giant pantry full of jars of tears, right? But what that verse is telling us is that there's not a tear that you shed that God doesn't know about. You are never alone in whatever it is you're going through. We serve a God who hears. And not just who hears, but a God who knows. And when it said God knows there, I know that seems kind of like, he knows what? What does God know? It doesn't really tell us, right? But what it's saying there is God knew what to do. He knew how to fix it. And just like we sang this morning, this is what's so cool. Moses is living his life. God's orchestrating these things, right? All because God knew what was going to happen. God knew what was coming. He heard. So he had already been preparing the way. He was already making a way when the people of Israel are in slavery. And there's like, there's nothing the king dies, they get a new king, and I'm sure they're thinking, man, we're about to get out of this. We have a new king. New king comes, still in slavery. And they're like, God, what are you doing? You're not moving. God's like, if you only knew about the baby in the basket, if you only knew what was coming, if you only knew I'm already making a way. We'll get into that next week about what God is doing and, and the action he's about to take. But we serve a God who is in every moment with us. He doesn't abandon us, just like we talked about last week, that he does not leave us or forsake us. It's a theme that we're going to see all the way through Exodus, and we see it start here. The people of Israel are crying out, and God hears them. He not only hears and sees what you're going through, but he has the way out. Sometimes the way out is still painful, but he will walk with you through it. Scripture tells us that God knows the number of hairs on our head, that he formed us in our mother's wombs, that we can cast our anxieties and our burdens on him because he cares for us, and that if we pray in our anxiety, he will give us peace that surpasses all understanding if we give those things to him. That is the God we serve. He loves us. He hears us. And praise him that he never leaves or forsakes us. What's cool is this idea that God hears us circles back to the first part of what we talked about today. Because God is hearing the people of Israel and he knew and it had already put Moses in position to be used by God. You never know what role you play in someone else's life. We all like to think I'm the main character, but you're not. God is the main character. And we are side characters. Moses had purpose in the main story of redemption. God gave him his passions. He gave him his talents. And he put him in the position to be used when others needed him. So are you? Are you ready and willing to be used by God? He's the God of hearing, and he has a job for you. He's listening to someone else's cries, and he has prepared you for them. Live with purpose, on purpose. Let's pray. God, thank you for being the God who hears. And that you're not the God of just 
Oh, well, that was an accident, but you are the one who put things in motion, that you put us here on purpose. That we are standing in this spot in 2021 in our current situation on purpose. We are not wandering. It's not a coincidence. God, you have given us our talents, our abilities, and put us here for this moment. Let us be people who are ready for action. When you hear the cries of those who need us, that we would be ready and willing to live on purpose, to put these talents and passions that you have put in us to use for your kingdom. That we would not see ourselves as the main character, but see ourselves as your servants. God, thank you for how you made a way for us. Let us make a way for others through your power. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.